Hello, and thank you for downloading the latest edition of The Stockholmer. If you're just discovering the show, welcome. You can catch up on any episodes you've missed from the previous two seasons on our website or using your favourite podcast app. I'm Maddie Savage, and here's this week's guest. I believe all products that have a positive effect on how you feel are good for society, but it's you herself who has to make decisions about what it is you think is the right for you to feel good. That's Victoria Senkpeel, co-founder of Glossybox, one of the world's biggest online beauty subscription services, delivering hand-picked products to hundreds of thousands of homes each month. Alongside her role as Managing Director for the Nordics, based in Stockholm, she's also launched her own shoe brand, and she's on a mission to help women feel empowered. The Stockholmer. So we're at the Nordic head office in the creative room, which is full of lights for photo shoots, some of the trademark uh, pink glossy box boxes, uh, some beautiful plants. I can see why this is an inspiring space for you guys. We're going to talk about glossy box First of all, I just want to get a little bit of your backstory, Victoria. Born in Sweden, grew up in Canada and Norway. You've been a classical ballet dancer, an investment banker. You've studied in Italy and Silicon Valley, and you speak five languages. Uh, So the very first question, why did you decide to be a Stockholmer? Good question. So because I am originally Swedish, I'm born I'm born in Lund, but I'm I'm sort of the I'm the foreign Swede. That's how I term myself. So when I was finished with my banking career at JP Morgan, which was after the financial crisis, that's when I was looking at, okay, well, what's going to be my next step? Because I knew that I always wanted to found my own company. I decided that, right, I'm going to move back to Scandinavia. I made a quick assessment of, do I move back to Norway, which is where my parents live, uh, versus moving to Sweden, where I had a hypothesis that Swedes were more oriented outwards than what Norwegians are. And I think that's, of course, because Sweden is an export market. So I just decided that, right, if I'm going to pursue a career in Norway, then I will have to work in fish or in oil. Uh, In Sweden, there are more opportunities. So that was it. I I applied for a master's at Stockholm School of Economics to transition from finance to marketing. And that's how I ended up here. So for those who don't know the backstory, Glossybox is actually a company that started off in Berlin, but has its headquarters here in Stockholm. Um, And it's these uh, sample boxes that come through uh, your door once a month. Why did you get started with this? Um, The concept, it might look very simple and what we say very glossy on the outside because it's this beautiful package box with these five beauty products. But in actual fact, it's an entire different mechanism behind it where through the box, we allow for a completely different way to discover beauty. It's grown from the perspective of sort of what trends and how word of mouth and social media has developed. Transitioning a very traditional industry and beauty puts most of the marketing budget on, on TV and print. Uh, and and fact of the matter is that's push marketing and in the world we live in today you need the pool Mm, we'll talk about your social media presence uh, in a moment but just getting off the ground in the first place you were helped by an incubator in Berlin rocket internet Mm -hmm. uh, which helps um, online companies Mm -hmm. and you actually only had a month is that right to get this idea that you guys had based on similar uh, services in the US you had a month to get this to market yeah Uh, That was absolutely crazy. Um, The big challenge then was the fact that it was the first time you really had to prove yourself because there was no company 
backing you. I mean, I, I came from big companies before, JP Morgan, L'Oreal. I mean, there you can hide behind the brand when you're trying to sell something. This was really a matter of convincing, again, a completely new industry or, or, or very traditional industry about this, this box. Uh, so there was basically everything of getting the, the website uh, up and running, getting our whole operations up and running, filling the first box. And that was a very tricky time because it was right before Christmas. So everyone's marketing budget was done. So how in the end did it? I honestly cannot tell you. It was just a matter of not giving up. And we just knew that we had one month. And if we didn't deliver in one month, there would be no glossy box. So I think that was the key driver for just getting through and and always working that there is a solution to everything. How did you chase down the brands to, to be in the box, to embrace this new concept? Oh, God. <laughs> it, it was very much, I think, ab- about direct sales. It was cold calling and just contacting and try to find the right person, be it stalking them by LinkedIn, calling, keep calling, keep reminding. Did you enjoy that? I really, really, really hated it because I... But it built me. That's why... I'm tremendously thankful that I was in that type of press or stress because it has built me to be the fighter I am today. I guess for a lot of people that are doing well in their careers like you were in in banking or in marketing and thinking about starting their own businesses, people can be quite scared to to take that step when they've got a sort of cushy deal and feel like it would take a really long time to build a business Mm -hmm. up from scratch. Mm -hmm. But this is an example that it doesn't necessarily uh, need to be a long process. No, no, it doesn't. I just think what you have to be very clear about is it takes sacrifice. I mean, I look back at the five and a half last years and they've been the best five and a half years of my life. But it's not like, and I mean, I can be honest to say it, it's not like I've had a wonderful social life. But I think it all depends on what personality type that you are. You know, do you live to work or do you do you work to live? If you do live to work, then I think being an entrepreneur is the most fantastic thing. So after you sent the first boxes out, your your main market was Sweden. And that might surprise uh, some of our global listeners. I think Sweden has this reputation as a, uh, quite a natural place uh, where people spend a lot of time in the outdoors. The fashion's quite homogenous, black and very natural beauty. So what was it about the Swedish market? I mean, the concept started in, in Berlin, So, but we were the first Scandinavian market to launch. We were a very interesting market for, for, for Glossy Box to go into just because... Swedes are trendsetters. It had a fantastic setup in terms of of, of, of the influencers, I mean bloggers, um, and, and, and that type of credibility. And bef- because Swedes are very fashion conscious and trend conscious, then they have a high adaptability of e-commerce. And it's the market of all our glossy box markets where we have had the highest success. We have the highest global penetration of any beauty box in Sweden. We stick out because we are viral and when we are word of mouth advocacy there have been some bumps in the road uh, in your journey we talked a bit about the nordic market um but you did launch in i think 10 other markets yeah. more than 10 other markets and those ended up getting closed down tell us a bit about that and what you learned from that experience i mean I, i've been with glossy box since we we've since the first year in 2011 and and when it started i mean again back to an incubator approach is that you you extend into, I mean, we were in 25 markets uh, at our most, and we were in countries like Israel, South Africa, Australia, Brazil, Japan. And I think the key learning for our company then was, like, if you do not have the right team to execute from the start, if you do not have the right vision for your market 
from the start. And if your market, like I said, doesn't have the, the right prerequisites, like having the e-com adaptation to the market, etc., then you won't succeed. Because it's all about how you manage the first months. The first months are super critical um, to build your credibility, both towards the industry as well as to your consumer. Um, yeah, it came to a point where we were carrying a lot of costs that were related to markets that were underperforming. So it, it didn't make sense to continue to just pump in money when the execution was in one way not optimal from the start. You talked about finding an optimal team, um, which I think can be a very exciting thing when you're working in the startup industry and you're used to working in big, big corporations where you just get the colleagues you're given. Uh, But there are a lot of challenges uh, to picking your first employees, uh, both within the initial team and the wider market. Mm -hmm. What would be your your learnings from that experience? But I think you're very right. I mean, I think it's one of the most key um, decisions you make. I mean, it it might be the same as picking, you know, who you're going to marry in many ways. You need to have the right dynamics uh, amongst each other and you need to have the same working morale. I think that when you're founding something from the start, if everyone's heart is not in it the way, right way, if not everyone is working as hard towards the same goal, I mean, you'll quickly have the same type of, how do you say, frictions you might have in the same as with a relationship where you realize that, you know, maybe you're not on the same page. So I think in many ways, those are the key learnings is to really think, okay, do we align in our values? Do we align in our work morale? And, you know, making sure that you have a SWAT team that is awesome at what they're supposed to do. Then it's a dream team. And that's the dynamics is extremely powerful. You talked earlier about uh, work-life balance and how it can be tricky to have that when you're managing director uh, of a huge market, uh, but you're a shoe designer on the side setting up your own company, uh, which, um, well, is, is quite incredible in some ways, but I mean, how on earth do you, do you manage that? And why is it so important to you to, to be doing this shoe designing as a side project? If I was a, a wife and a mother, a managing director and a shoe designer, I would not be able to make my time fit. When I was 30 and I started to do this, I I made a choice that, look, if I'm going to be the wife and have the family in the future and I have this extreme mission inside of me to do my shoes, I need to do it now. Because when I take on that role, as I see to be wife and mother, which I think is your the best role that you can possibly have and your most important one, I need to be 100% on that. And if I'm if I'm not 100% and I haven't done what I want to do, then I'll never be able to inspire my kids in the future. Mm. So so that's really how I've reasoned. Um, and that's... Are yeah. you on the way? Are you with a partner that's waiting patiently or are you still looking around? I've actively made a decision because I know now isn't the time to not look because that's a full-time job just to find a partner. Um, why I have started with my shoes I mean it's been my lifelong project to do I started a little bit thinking from perspective of you know strong women in business which was sort of my own background women who are on the go who who, you know need to have great shoes to carry them in in business meetings or negotiations um, etc plus they need to be elegant and they need to be comfortable because you need to be able to walk in between meetings or run around the office or whatever you need to do so it's it's very much a, a functional elegant product I have a story of a blue soul. Um, the story of the blue soul is what I call the blue carpet of victory. So as a woman, when you wear the shoes, you need to feel empowered and in control. And your blue carpet of victory is, is, your, is your vehicle to do that. 
So helping women to feel more more comfortable and and stronger as as a woman by their looks, by their looks. and what they're wearing, which I think could be controversial uh, to to some strands of of, of feminism. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely. Um stand by that and that's why I believe that cosmetics and shoes it's by no chance I ended up in both of them because same when I was dancing I mean it was about you put on makeup because you were going out on stage I mean you can connect with makeup and and beauty from perspective that it is beauty products but it's not what it's about and it's not what glossy box about it's it's feeling that you have when you put it on and that can empower you and it can make you feel better I believe all products that have a positive effect on how you feel are good for society because it makes people feel better. There is nothing wrong to identify with certain physical products because they have effect on you in a positive type of way. Mm. It doesn't fit in with the, the sort of minimalist anti-consumerism um, uh, trends that are going around at the moment though. The idea that we you know, shouldn't be forced to buy the latest product or, or the latest thing to make us happy. No, but I think you need to buy the right things. But it's you herself who has to make decisions about what it is you think is the right for you to feel good. Mm. I mean, I'm driven by a, a deeper mission. So the, the ideology I have about being able to make a difference and being able to or being able to inspire with regards to sort of um, a modern development of, of, of women in society. That's something that I'm extremely passionate about and it's something I want to continue to work on. It's not just about the business behind it. it from the Stockholmer for this week. I'm Maddie Savage, the show's founder, presenter and producer. This week's guest was Victoria Sankpil. Sound assistance came from Benoit Derrier, music from Simeon Ghost and Richard Stevens designed our logo. Unlike many podcasts, we don't produce any branded or advertorial content. Every guest is independently handpicked to showcase the Stockholmers we think are creating a buzz, troubleshooting challenges and shaping the future. If you like the show and want to support us and help spread the word, we'd love you to give us a quick rating on iTunes or simply share an episode with a friend. Have a great week. Listener.